if I had to describe the last year in five words, the last year in five words would be, we are living in a simulation. I guess that's six, <laughs> but that's what it somewhat felt like. My name is Ramses Alvarez. My job essentially entails engaging with community on the various programs and kind of volunteer events that we host within our department. You know, if I told you uh, before COVID that you're going to live in a world where you can't get close to anyone, but you can see them and you can be six feet apart from them, but you can't touch them. It sounds like something out of Black Mirror, um, but it's been the reality of what we have to deal with at work and what we have to deal with personally. Um, and it's something that I never would have thought of. I mean, I, I guess I, when I thought about it, I was thinking about my grandfather who died a few years ago, um, but he was born in the 20s, a little before the last global pandemic. And I was thinking that, you know, he lived to be almost 100 years old and he never saw a pandemic. He didn't know what it was like to live under a pandemic. I do. And I guess it's something that I'll be talking about when I'm hopefully in my 90s and telling people about how I lived through the last pandemic. The biggest change that I felt during COVID or maybe that, that I'm, I'm taking away from this COVID experience is how much we rely on each other um, to kind of enjoy the things that we enjoy. I just saw a concert and it was from an artist that I really likes, Living Room. But it's not the same as going to a concert and hearing, you know, 20,000, 40,000 people just explode because they love a song, right? It's a different experience. And so that, that uh, feeling like you're part of the world or you're part of your um, fellow human being next to you, um, I didn't know that I would miss that as much as um, I guess I do. I have always been a fairly solitary person. So initially, when this kind of happened, I saw a meme and it said people that have stayed home all their lives are the, the kind of introverts. You've been training for this your entire life. And I actually I laughed at it because I thought this is exactly <laughs> what I've been doing. But for the first few months, it was really hard having to be forced to stay home and having very limited interaction with anyone kind of in my ecosystem. It was really hard for me. And I guess I found myself craving the, the connection that we have. It, it hits you hard, I guess. And, and, and that missing so many milestone moments. So I had a friend that got married and I was really looking forward to that wedding, but it never happened. Uh, my brother's birthday is usually a really big celebration. He loves having family and friends kind of get together frequently, you know, 50 people or 50 close people to him will come together. He didn't have anything. And I guess I miss things like that. Um, and I, I didn't realize how much I would miss things like that until I couldn't go to them or I couldn't even have them. I, I found an appreciation for how much I really did value and need the people that I have in my life and, and, and have them physically present in my life.
You know, I think being essential is being a representative of San Francisco in fun times and in pandemic times. And, you know, whether it was my father's generation with the 89 earthquake or whether it was this recent um, pandemic, it's answering that call. During COVID, I was assigned to the Emergency Operations Center where I was the asset and inventory manager. And what I will always remember is that the day that I was deployed to the Moscone Center, I remember feeling really scared waking up that morning because I didn't know what I was getting into. And I remember my mother calling me and saying that she'd been saying the rosary all morning because she was really worried about it. I remember I got in my car and from the south side of the city where I live to the Moscone Center, I didn't see one car. So I'm talking on the street, on the freeway, there was nothing. It looked like the pilot episode of The Walking Dead. And I remember walking in and not knowing what to expect because I didn't know if I would be, you know, asked to help people that had COVID, if I would be, um, you know, put in harm's way in any way. And, you know, the fact that I just kind of closed my eyes, said a prayer and said, I'm gonna do everything that I can to help the city. Um, that's, that's what we did. I mean, we essentially in tasked with making sure that if someone got COVID in an SRO, that they would have all the kind of quality of life items that they would need to get through a quarantine period. So, you know, they had things to wash themselves. Um, we had another unit that was basically right next to us at the EOC that would get them things to feed themselves. Um, so my job was initially to kind of catalog everything that we had, but it ended up being um, creating the framework for how we were going to get the things there. So I had to get cars. I had to figure out what staff I needed to essentially make our unit function from like warehouse folks to analysts to delivery drivers. Um, and so when we called in the delivery drivers and we explained to them what they were doing, so they were essentially taking supplies to people that were confirmed COVID positives. They did not want to do it. And so I thought back kind of to my manager's training and just, I suppose, just who I am as a person. And I literally said, I won't ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. So for each of you on your first run, I will go with you and I will deliver the things right next to you. And it was the first time that I saw someone come out with their surgical mask and gloves and, um, you know, leave the package for them, stand six feet back, see them come grab it. And I guess that was the first time that it hit home that we were doing something that was serious. Um, the thing that really struck me, and I remember that it was kind of a game changer emotionally as to what we were doing, we had analysts that would confirm orders for the COVID positive patients that were receiving supplies. We were kind of short on analysts for the day. So I jumped on the phone as well. And I was just trying to confirm these orders. Uh, I, I think the thing with her was that she was a Spanish woman. That was the other thing. So I call her and I confirm the order. And you can tell in someone's voice when they're going through it. When someone's struggling emotionally, there's usually the little indicators in their voice. At the end 
of me confirming the order, she asked me if I knew anything about her husband. And I basically told her, you know, I, I actually don't work for DPH. I'm not involved in the hospital whatsoever. But she just kept asking me. And I remember she just told me everything about what happened with her husband, how he couldn't breathe at night, how he ended up going to the hospital, how a doctor had last called her and told her that he was being moved to the intensive care unit. And she just wanted an update. I called DPH and got her an update. And she thanked me for not only the DPH update, but for the supplies. And I remember thinking to myself, it's to me, the supplies are just something that, you know, anybody could have gave you. But I guess it's one less thing for them to think about that the city's coming to help them with just some toilet paper or just some hand sanitizer. And it, it, it dawned on me that more than just giving these people supplies, we were giving them comfort. And so that's when we started referring to the deliveries as care packages, because we weren't just giving them something to clean with or something to sanitize with. We were bringing comfort. What's really interesting about the job that I had was that it literally, all the work that I'd done from Public Works was almost like a dress rehearsal for what I was asked to do at the Emergency Operations Center. So we clearly do not give away hand sanitizer, but we do give away paint and we do give away tools and we loan them out to thousands of volunteers a year. And so that framework to create a delivery system, to know, you know drivers and people to confirm an order and from even making the, the first um, sheets for the order forms, I had already done that at Public Works. And you know, at some point I was told to um, put together a layout of the warehouse. Once we started getting thousands of things coming in, I had already done that with all of the clean team layouts that I had done. Here's where we're going to put registration. Here's where we're going to put the water. Here's the stage. So putting together where pallets were going to be stored and in what row and uh, section we were going to keep the bleach versus the hand sanitizer versus the paper towels versus the toilet paper. All that stuff I had already kind of been given the tools to do. So I don't know if it was serendipity or something else. Um, but I know that, you know, everything that I had done at Public Works served me in the work that I was doing at the EOC. If I could put anything in a time capsule to remember COVID-19 and my experience during it, it would be one of the photos of my team, the Congregate Living Unit, that we took during one of our Friday dress-up events. Things can get intense at the Emergency Operations Center. And so one of the things I did was every Friday, we would have a dress-up day. We would take photos and, you know, the Mascogni Center has great balconies with beautiful views of the city. So there are a few photos that we have um, where everyone's dressed up and 
it kind of seems a little normal aside from the photo being six feet apart. <laughs> um, but uh, th those always bring a smile to my face. And I think it it's pretty, it's pretty symbolic of who our group was. We did a lot of work. We um, worked hard for the folks of San Francisco, but we also tried to have as much fun as we could doing it and kind of showcase our personalities um, while we did it. So you hate to use the word positive with any kind of catastrophe <laughs> that happens like this. But I, I do have to say that the experience at the EOC, um, in addition to, I guess, teaching me a lot professionally, also was personal. The people that I worked with, in particular, the kind of core five people that were pretty much there the entire time of my three-month deployment, I still talk to. I just got a text from my manager at the EOC just checking in on me and saying hello. Um, you know, I met some really amazing people that I don't know if I otherwise would have met. And I hope that they will kind of stay in my life, you know, past COVID. And um, I suppose they're still in it. So, you know, I, I made some folks that I think are going to be um, friends for a lifetime. Um, so that's something that, that I'll, I'll always look back on very fondly. And in a moment of great, um, I guess, global catastrophe, I was part of something that, that really helped. It's, it's a moment to be proud of. I'm Ramses Alvarez. Thanks for listening to Snapshots. Still We Rise, a public works podcast.